Chapter Fifteen of the Seats of the Mighty by Gilbert Parker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. I started from my seat. We bowed, and stretching out a hand to the fire, Doltaire said, "Ah, my captain, we meet too seldom. Let me see, five months." ah yes nearly five months believe me i have not breakfasted so heartily since you are looking older older solitude to the active mind is not to be endured alone no monsieur doltaire is the surgeon to my solitude said i mm -hmm. he answered a jail surgeon merely and that brings me to a point monsieur I have had letters from France. The Grande Marquise, I may as well be frank with you, womanlike yearns violently for those silly letters which you hold. She would sell our France for them. There is a chance for you who would serve your country so. Serve it and yourself and me. We have no news yet as to your doom, but be sure it is certain. La Pompadour knows all and if you are stubborn twenty deaths were too few i can save you little longer even were it my will to do so for myself the great lady girds at me for being so poor an agent you monsieur he smiled whimsically will agree that i have been persistent and intelligent so much so rejoined i as to be intrusive he smiled again if la pompadour could hear you she would understand why i prefer the live amusing lion to the dead dog when you are gone i shall be inconsolable i am a born inquisitor you were born for better things than this i answered he took a seat and mused for a moment for larger things you mean was his reply perhaps perhaps I have one gift of the strong man. I am inexorable when I make for my end. As a general, I would pour men into the maw of death as corn into the hopper, if that would build a bridge to my end. You call to mind how those Spaniards conquered the Mexique city, which was all canals like Venice? They filled the waterways with shattered houses and the bodies of their enemies as they fought their way to Montezuma's palace so i would know not pity if i had a great cause in anything vital i would have success at all cost and to get destroy as i went if i were a great man i thought for a moment with horror of his pursuit of my dear alix i am your hunter had been his words to her and i knew not what had happened in all these months if you were a great man you should have the best prerogative of greatness i remarked quietly and what is that some excellent moral i doubt not was the rejoinder mercy i replied tush he retorted mercy is for the fireside not for the throne in great causes what is a screw of tyranny here a bolt of oppression there or a few thousand lives he suddenly got to his feet and looking into the distance 
made a swift motion of his hand, his eyes half-closed, his brows brooding and firm. I should look beyond the moment, the year or the generation. Why fret because the hour of death comes sooner than we looked for? In the movement of the ponderous car, some honest folk must be crushed by the wicked wheels. No, no. In large affairs there must be no thought of the detail of misery, else what should be done in the world? He who is the strongest shall survive, and he alone. It is all conflict, all. For when conflict ceases, and those who could and should be great spend their time chasing butterflies among the fountains, there comes miasma and their doom. Mercy, mercy? No, no for none but the poor and sick and overridden in time of peace in time of war mercy for none pity nowhere till the joy bells ring the great man home but mercy to women always said i in war or peace he withdrew his eyes as if from a distant prospect and they dropped to the stove where i had corn parching he nodded as if amused but did not answer at once and taking from my hand the feather with which I stirred the corn, softly whisked some off for himself, and smiled at the remaining kernels as they danced upon the hot iron. After a little while he said, Women? Women should have all that men can give them. Beautiful things should adorn them. No man should set his hand in cruelty on a woman, after she is his. Before? Before? woman is wilful and sometimes we wring her heart that we may afterwards comfort it your views have somewhat changed i answered i mind when you talked less sweetly he shrugged a shoulder that man is lost who keeps one mind concerning woman i will trust the chastity of no woman yet i will trust her virtue if i have her heart they a foolish tribe and all are vulnerable in their vanity they of consequence to man of no consequence in state matters when they meddle there we have la pompadour and war with england and captain moray in the bastille of new france you come from a court monsieur which believes in nothing not even in itself i come from a court he rejoined which has made a gospel of artifice of frivolity a creed buying the toys for folly with the savings of the poor his most christian majesty has set the fashion of continual silliness and universal love he begets children in the peasant's oven and in the chamber of charlemagne alike and we are all good subjects of the king we are brilliant exquisite brave and naughty and for us there is no tomorrow nor for france i suggested he laughed as he rolled a kernel of parched corn on his tongue tut tut that is another thing we the fashion of an hour but france is a fact as stubborn as the natures of you english for beyond stubbornness and your shakespeare you have little down among the moles in the peasants huts the spirit of france never changes it is always the same it is for all time you english nor all others you cannot blow out that candle which is the spirit of france 
i remember the abbe bourbon preaching once upon the words the spirit of man is the candle of the lord well the spirit of france is the candle of europe and you english will be its screen against the blowing out though in spasms of stupidity you flaunt the extinguisher you you have no imagination no passion no temperament no poetry yet i am wrong the one thing you have he broke off nodding his head in amusement yes you have but it is a secret you english are the true lovers we french the true poets and i will tell you why you are a race of comrades the french of gentlemen you cleave to a thing we to an idea you love a woman best when she is near we when she is away you make a romance of marriage we of intrigue you feed upon yourselves we upon the world you have fever in your blood we in our brains you believe the world was made in seven days we have no god you would fight for the seven days we would fight for the danseurs on a bonbon box the world will say fie at us and love us it will respect you and hate you that is the law and the gospel he added smiling perfect respect casteth out love said i ironically he waved his fingers in approval by the lord but you are pungent now and then he answered cabined here you are less material by the time you are chastened unto heaven you will be too companionable to lose when is that hour of completed chastening i asked never he said if you will oblige me with those letters for a man of genius you discern but slowly retorted i discern your amazing stubbornness he asked why should you play at martyr when your talent is commercial you have no gifts for martyrdom but wooden tenacity pshaw the leech has that you mistake your calling and you yours i answered this is a poor game you play and losing it you lose all le pompadour will pay according to the goods you bring he answered with an amusing candour why yes you are partly in the right but when la pompadour and i come to our final reckoning when it is a question who can topple ruins around the king quickest his mistress or his cousin there will be tales to tell he got up and walked to and fro in the cell musing and his face grew dark and darker your monmouth was a fool he said he struck from the boundaries the blow should fall in the very chambers of the king he put a finger musingly upon his lip i see i see how it could be done full of danger but brilliant brilliant and bold yes 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 then all at once he seemed to come out of a dream and laughed ironically there it is he said there is my case i have the idea but i will not strike it is not worth the doing unless i am driven to it we are brave enough we idlers he went on we die with an air all artifice artifice yet of late i have had dreams now that is not well it is foolish to dream and i had long since ceased to do so 
but somehow all the mad fancies of my youth come back this dream will go it will not last it is my fate my doom he added lightly or what you will i knew alas too well where his thoughts were hanging and i loathed him anew for as he hinted his was a passion not a deep abiding love his will was not stronger than the general turpitude of his nature as if he had divined my thought he said my will is stronger than any passion that i have i can never plead weakness in the day of my judgment i am deliberate when i choose evil it is because i love it i could be an anchorite i am as i said what you will you are a conscienceless villain monsieur who salves not his soul he added with a dry smile who will play his game out as he began who repents nor ever will repent of anything who for him and you've some interesting moments yet let me make one now and he drew from his pocket a packet he smiled hatefully as he handed it to me and said some books which monsieur once lent mademoiselle duvarney poems i believe mademoiselle found them yesterday and desired me to fetch them to you and i obliged her i had the pleasure of glancing through the books before she rolled them up she bade me say that monsieur might find them useful in his captivity she has a tender heart even to the worst of criminals i felt a strange churning in my throat but with composure i took the books and said mademoiselle duvarney chooses distinguished messengers it is a distinction to aid her in her charities he replied i could not at all conceive what was meant the packet hung in my hands like lead there was a mystery i could not solve i would not for an instant think what he meant to convey by a look that her choice of him to carry back my gift to her was a final repulse of past advances i had made to her a corrective to my romantic memories i would not believe that not for one fleeting second perhaps i said to myself it was a ruse of this scoundrel but again i put that from me for i did not think he would stoop to little meannesses no matter how vile he was in great things i assumed indifference to the matter laying the packet down upon my couch and saying to him you will convey my thanks to mademoiselle duvarney for these books whose chief value lies in the honourable housing they have had he smiled provokingly no doubt he was thinking that my studied compliment smelt of the oil of solitude and add shall i your compliments that they should have their airing at the hands of monsieur doltaire i shall pay those compliments to monsieur doltaire himself one day i replied he waved his fingers the sentiments of one of the poems were commendable fanciful i remember it he put a finger to his lip let me see he stepped towards the packet but i made a sign of interference how grateful was i of this afterwards and he drew back courteously ah well he said i have a fair memory i can i think recall the morsel it impressed me i could not think the author an englishman it runs thus and with admirable grace he recited the words o flower of all the world 
o flower of all the garden where thou dwellest is so fair thou art so goodly and so queenly tall thy sweetness scatters sweetness everywhere o flower of all o flower of all the years o flower of all a day beside thee is a day of days thy voice is softer than the throstle's call there is not song enough to sing thy praise o flower of all o flower of all the years o flower of all i seek thee in thy garden and i dare to love thee and though my deserts be small thou art the only flower i would wear o flower of all now that he said is the romantic almost the arcadian spirit we have lost it but it lingers like some rare scent in the folds of lace it is also but artifice yet so is the lingering perfume when it hung in the flower it was lost after a day's life but when gathered and distilled into an essence it becomes through artifice an abiding sweetness so with your song there it is the spirit of devotion gathered it may be from a thousand flowers and made into an essence which is offered to one only it is not the worship of this one but the worship of a thousand distilled at last to one delicate liturgy so much for sentiment he continued upon my soul captain moray you are a boon i love to have you caged i shall watch your distressed career to its close with deep scrutiny you and i are wholly different but you are interesting you never could be great pardon the egotism but it is truth your brain works heavily you are too tenacious of your conscience you are a blunderer you will always sow and others will reap i waved my hand in deprecation for i was in no mood for further talk and i made no answer he smiled at me and said well since you doubt my theories let us come as your shakespeare says to hecuba if you will come with me he added as he opened my cell door and motioned me courteously to go outside i drew back and he said there is no need to hesitate i go to show you merely what will interest you we passed in silence through the corridors two sentinels attending and at last came into a large square room wherein stood three men with hands tied over their heads against the wall their faces twitching with pain i drew back in astonishment for there standing before them were gabo and another soldier doltaire ordered from the room the soldier with gabo and my two sentinels and motioned me to one of the two chairs set in the middle of the floor presently his face became hard and cruel and he said to the tortured prisoners you will need to speak the truth and promptly i have an order to do with you what i will and i will do it without pause hear me three nights ago as mademoiselle duvarney was returning from the house of a friend living near the intendance she was set upon by you a cloak was thrown over her head she was carried to a carriage where two of you got inside with her some gentlemen and myself were coming that way we heard the ladies cries and two gave chase to the carriage while one followed the others 
by the help of soldier gabor here you were all captured you have hung where you are for two days and now i shall have you whipped when that is done you shall tell your story if you do not speak truth you shall be whipped again and then hung ladies shall have safety from rogues like you alix's danger told in these concise words made me i am sure turn pale but doltaire did not see it he was engaged with the prisoners as i thought and wondered four soldiers were brought in and the men were made ready for the lash in vain they pleaded they would tell their story at once doltaire would not listen the whipping first and their story after soon their backs were bared their faces were turned to the wall and as gabo with harsh voice counted the lashes were mercilessly laid on there was a horrible fascination in watching the skin corrugate under the lashes rippling away in red and purple blotches the grooves in the flesh crossing and recrossing the raw misery spreading from the hips to the shoulders now and again doltaire drew out a box and took a pinch of snuff and once coolly and curiously he walked up to the most stalwart prisoner and felt his pulse then to the weakest whose limbs and body had stiffened as though dead ninety-seven ninety-eight ninety-nine growled gabo and then came doltaire's voice stop now fetch some brandy the prisoners were loosened, and Doltaire spoke sharply to a soldier who was roughly pulling one man's shirt over the excoriated back. Brandy was given by Gabo, and the prisoners stood, a most pitiful sight, the weakest livid. "'Now tell your story,' said Doltaire to this last. The man, with broken voice and breath-catching, said that they had erred. They had been hired to kidnap Madame Cunal, not Mademoiselle Duvarney. Doltaire's eyes flashed. I see, I see, he said aside to me. The wretch speaks truth. Who was your master? He asked of the sturdiest of the villains, and he was told that Monsieur Connell had engaged them. To the question what was to be done with Madame Connell, another answered that she was to be waylaid as she was coming from the intendants, kidnapped, and hurried to a nunnery to be imprisoned for life. Doltaire sat for a moment, looking at the men in silence. "'You are not to hang,' he said at last. "'But ten days hence, when you have had one hundred lashes more, you shall go free. Fifty for you,' he continued to the weakest who had first told the story. "'Not fifty nor one,' was the shrill reply, and, being unbound, the prisoner snatched something from a bench near. There was a flash of steel, and he came huddling in a heap on the floor, muttering a malediction on the world. There was some bravery in that, said Doltaire, looking at the dead man. If he has friends, hand over the body to them. This matter must not be spoken of at your peril, he added sternly. Give them food and brandy. Then he accompanied me to my cell, and opened the door. I passed in, and he was about going without a word when on a sudden his old nonchalance came back, and he said, I promised you a matter of interest. You have had it. Gather philosophy from this. You may with impunity buy anything from a knave and fool except his nuptial bed. 
he throws the money in your face some day so saying he plunged in thought again and left me end of chapter fifteen